1: Blue
0: Wire.
1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host, Nick Palato. And today we're going to break down another player in our draft profile series. I'm excited because I love doing the offensive side of the ball, and I love doing wide receivers. And today we're going to do a wide receiver. He opted out of the 2020 season, but... He made some big-time plays in 2019, and more so than anything else, he's a big-time projection that me and Nick want to talk about because he might actually be a cookie-cutter-type fit for what Jason Garrett wants to do. And remember, we got Jason Garrett. That's it. We got him for this season. We want to see improvement. So um, we got to draft players for these guys' systems and go from there. But we're going to get to Nico Collins out of Michigan, the wide receiver, shortly. But before we do that, want to dive into some Giants news I wouldn't call it news exactly, some Giants rumors. Let's phrase it as a Giants rumor. And that Giants rumor would be Jason Lockenfor from CBS Sports, colleague of mine, good buddy, nice guy, reports the Giants have been trying to shop Kevin Zeitler in a trade. Now, they've been unsuccessful in doing so, according to Jason Lockenfor, but the speculation that's built off of that is that it means the Giants will release him if they can't find a trade partner. Now, remember, for those who don't know, Kevin Zeitler due to make a 40 or due to account fourteen point five million against the cap. The Giants can save all but two point five million of that by releasing him, create another eleven point five million in cap space. So they may consider releasing him. It seems like Nick. Let's start. I don't know. Let's start with what do you think of this news? What do you think of the decision? Do you think they'll find a trade partner? Anything? Start where you want.
2: I don't think they're going to find a trade partner because I believe teams in the NFL are looking at this situation like other situations in the NFL, and they're like, well, he's going to be released, so we'll sign him on our terms and not have to take on the contract and not have to give up any kind of compensation. So I think Kevin Zeitler will probably be released before free agency, unfortunately, and I don't necessarily envision a team trading something for him unless they really, really want him and don't want to bid against other teams for him. I'm not sure if there are teams out there that necessarily want to do that, so I think ultimately he'll end up getting released, unfortunately
1: yeah i guess we'll start then there with what we think will happen then we'll move forward to what we would do if we were in charge of this franchise so i'll start with what i think will happen i actually don't think he's gonna get cut i'm not actually going to buy this rumor um just for now i do believe the giants might be potentially shopping him like they're shopping anyone else but I think ultimately the only way he does get released is if the Giants feel like they can make a serious play for Kenny Galladay or a player of that nature who they have targeted and they feel confident that player will not be franchise tagged. So I think ultimately it will come down to are these players going to get tagged? The uh, the tagging is open you can franchise tag players now. I think Justin Simmons from the Broncos was just tagged for a second straight season, which has got to suck for him because he's (laughs) literally one of the best safeties in the NFL right now. And I can't imagine why the Broncos wouldn't just sign him to a long-term contract. I really don't understand it. But I did read just hours before recording this, that the 27-year-old safety was tagged. So I think if the Giants feel like a player who they're targeting in free agency is not going to get tagged yes I think they will cut Zeitler but I actually think there's this possibility that the 30 31 year old Zeitler will not be released this offseason if the Giants don't feel they can make that splash in free agency now let's move to the next part of this do you think it would be a wise decision for the Giants to create that 11.5 million cap space by cutting Zeitler but then also lose their starting right guard
2: I think it all comes down to kind of what you just said Dan and that's what are their plans do they want to retain Dalvin Tomlinson are they what are they looking to pay Leonard Williams because all of those factors have to be grouped into this as well as who are they looking to sign on the free agent market who do they want to bring in are they actually interested in someone like Juju Smith-Schuster something that I don't necessarily want for the New York Giants I don't see the fit there are they going to go after someone like Alan Robinson who seems to be just disgruntled with the chicago bears franchise right now what Allen robinson want to entertain coming and playing for a relatively unproven quarterback i think there's a lot that goes into it i just know that when these conversations happen usually it doesn't end well for the player especially in a year where the cap is going to be a little bit lower than it was the previous year and it's 12 million or 11.5 million for just one season and then he's going to be a 31 going on 32 year old impending free agent next year so I look at the Giants roster, I see Sheen Lemieux, I see Will Hernandez. It doesn't really give me that, that doesn't intrigue me. You know, I, I would like those one of those guys to be a swing guy or a compete, drive competition with Kevin Zeidler starting there. So, what I would do though, if you want to upgrade this roster, I think you have to try to restructure that because you don't want that 11 12000000 million cap hit for Kevin Zeidler. You could try to restructure, I'd be open to extending someone like Zeidler, to be honest as well. But I think ultimately what's going to happen, man, is I think he's going to be released.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about because I've kind of doubled back a little on this, not to a full extent. I mean, my initial reaction was, you do anything in your power to keep Kevin Zeitler on this roster. Why is that? Well, because it's not magic. You don't just snap your fingers and find a starting right guard who can be above average and consistent for almost every week of the season. Now, he was not. He fell off a little bit in his play over those last four weeks. We broke it down on the All-22s. And I'm going to get to why that is kind of starting to weigh into my evaluation now that I've kind of doubled back on this, did a little more thinking on it. And I'll ask you your opinion on that, but we'll go forward with that in a second. But to back it up a little bit and to kind of build the foundation of this, the foundation is you don't just these offensive linemen don't just grow on trees you don't just draft someone and he steps right in and he's amazing actually more times than not rookies have a tough time transitioning to the nfl game on the offensive line it's one of the positions that is really unpredictable when you it's not just you draft someone at 42 you place him in and he's better than zeitler or as good as zeitler that could actually go really in the wrong direction now as far as free agency goes I don't buy it. I don't buy the Giants are going to be able to just find some bargain free agent guard who's going to be great. I mean, look at what they had to do a couple years ago when they tried to go the guard route in free agency. They signed Patrick Omame, and it was actually a pretty decent-sized chunk deal with guaranteed money, and he was absolutely atrocious. And I don't see there being, like, people are mentioning Gabe Jackson. Gabe Jackson's not going to take some random discount to go play for the New York football Giants, like, a team that's won 15 games in the last three seasons, okay? If Gabe Jackson's going to take any kind of discount. He's going to go to be- play with the Chiefs or something like that. Like, I don't know what people are thinking. Like, Gabe Jackson taking 4 or $5 million a year and is only going to take a one-year deal. Anyone who they sign in free agency, by the way, they're going to have to commit multiple years to and gar- more guaranteed money. They don't have any more guaranteed money on the Zeitler deal passes here. Now, what you said is interesting. Do they extend him to restructure and lower the cap? Personally, I'm fine with that if and only if we qualify that by saying we're not worried about Zeitler long term. So that's where I'm going with this now. Why am I starting to double back a little bit on this, Nick? Why am I starting to reconsider this? Why am I starting to think a little bit more about this? It's those last four games. The question is for you all have is, are those last four games an outlier, or are those a sign of things to come for somebody who maybe his body's breaking down a little bit more? Now, why is Kevin Zeitler probably so angry when he's approached about a restructure or reproached about taking less money? Because he's probably like, I've played through multiple injuries for this franchise for two years, a franchise that doesn't win games, and I'm fighting, I'm giving everything. I'm one of the leaders on this team, on this offensive line and one of the toughest players who's played through multiple injuries. Why are you asking me to take less money? We just redid We just redid part of my deal earlier when I came over here, so why now do I have to take less money? But to you, Nick, my question would be, is that a potential as things— uh, or, I'm sorry, is the drop-off in production over those last four games a sign of things to come? Because in that sense, I would be a little bit worried about restructuring and adding years on.
2: I think it's hard to really say because he's not overly old, at the moment and you look at that Arizona game he actually had incredible grades according to Pro Football Focus it's kind of hard to really see what exactly why, why Pro Football why Pro Football Focus thought he played incredibly well in terms of run blocking there because the Giants couldn't really do much in that game but he did give up a sack but that entire Offensive line was just out-schemed by Vance Joseph, yes. as we've brought it up several times. And then there was the Dallas game. He surrendered a sack, had three pressures. That was a pretty bad outlier. And I think it's something in our minds that we see that and we view that and we're like, oh, wow, that was a bad game. And we're kind of holding it to a to a higher standard than I think we, we should be because how much consistent tape have we seen all throughout? 2020 all throughout 2019 so i'm not necessarily overly concerned you can restructure a two-year three-year deal and 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 minimize the cap hit right now and i i think i'd be comfortable with the 33 year old kevin zeitler you know what i'm saying so that's definitely i feel like the best course of action because i do feel the giants need to open up some cap space if they want to retain someone like dalvin thompson leonard williams and do those kind of things so for me i i'm not overly worried to be honest if if we were to pay him through his age 33 uh season yeah, I think ultimately as you kind of break it down right there
1: and we think back to all the hours of all, of time we spent watching this all 22 film and focusing in on the offensive line and takeaways and I look back at our notes, what did we say about Zeitler this week? What do we say about Zeitler that week? I look back through literally all 16 games of our notes and I decided in the end he's still their most consistent lineman besides Gates who I actually gave that title to just because Gates really didn't have many bad games and Gates really didn't have too many bad moments which is amazing to think about how far he came but he's still one of their most consistent linemen and I'm still willing to make that gamble too—that he can still be a consistent player at 33 years old, and that these injuries aren't long-term. Now, this is something the Giants—if the Giants do ultimately release him—it may be a situation where they're behind the scenes, they're in that—you uh, know—they're in that locker room, they're in that meeting room, they're in that weight room, and they see that he's maybe breaking down, or they don't think that he can be that same player not only next year but the year after that if they're looking to restructure, tack on years, and lower the cap hit for this year. If that's the case, that's something me and Nick will never know. I mean, we're not in that room and we don't talk to the players. But ultimately, I am with Nick on this one. I'm willing to make the bet. And mostly it's because you don't just find offensive linemen. It's very hard for them to make that rookie transition. And the wire is a joke. The free agent wire for the offensive linemen is a joke. There's one worth investing in last year, basically, in Jack Conklin, and you had to pay top dollar and make him the highest paid tackle in the right tackle in NFL history. And that's kind of what happens. And even those guys are rare. He shouldn't have hit the market. He only hit the market because they paid Derrick Henry and Ryan, and because they had to pay Ryan Tannehill to keep him on the team. So, I mean, again, I just don't love the idea of just throw one out, throw out our most consistent lineman, and just hope things get better or we'll draft one or, you know, we'll find one cheaper who's just as good or only a little bit worse in the wire. This team was dead last in pass production last year. The offensive line cannot afford to get any worse. And I understand the point when people make, like, look how many assets they've put into it since Gettleman got here. And you're right. They have tried to rebuild this line, but it's not working. He didn't hit on Hernandez. Parrott's taking time. Thomas we like. He hit on Gates. Uh, but you just can't afford to make things worse and the than game. they
2: already are. And the Jack Conklin thing that you brought up is interesting because in order to replace Jack Conklin, the Titans invested a first-round pick in Andrew Thomas's teammate, Isaiah Wilson. Isaiah Wilson... They must not have checked this kid's character whatsoever because he's they out there. They got DeAndre Baker. Yeah, they got they got DeAndre Baker plus some. This guy is <laughs> yeah. tweeting like, "Oh, I'm done with this organization." He's out there partying without a mask on and making it like a point for it to be seen. He's like, I don't know what's going on they there. They got DeAndre Baker. But but the Titans, yeah, legit. The Titans are they might release this kid a year into a well, year before they drafted him. So that's like another flip side of this. But if Zeitler is released, I think the Giants hopefully would do a better job, not DeAndre Baker themselves 2.0. Hopefully that wouldn't happen. But you look at some of the guards that are available, you got guys like Elijah Vera Tucker. That would probably be a first round pick. So the only way I would ever entertain that for the Giants is if they traded down and acquired a lot of assets. But someone like Landon Dickerson, that could be a second, probably a second round pick. People are giving him first-round buzz. Landon Dixon, for those of you who do not know, Alabama, highly regarded offensive lineman, tore his ACL. He was the one that they put out there in a brace uh, at the end of the national championship game. But he's somebody who would, I think, fit this system very, very well. People talk about Trey Smith fitting this system, the kid from Tennessee, because he's very physical and he's a mauler, but the guy is just got stone feet and he's he's not flexible so i don't see him actually pulling and doing those things it'd be like another will hernandez just that boxy guy kind of pulling but you want somebody to just blow people off the line of scrimmage that's trey smith that's somebody who's going to be a little bit later him and jalen phillips i think were the top two prospects in that 2017 recruiting cycle so if zeitler is released though will hernandez is an impending free agent the next year the giants have to probably really think about drafting someone in with one of their middle picks to add to this group.
1: Without a doubt. If the Giants release Zeitler, I don't know who in this world is counting on Shane Lemieux to be a long term fix. We hope he can, we hope he can develop, but there are serious signs and reason to believe based on his athleticism that he may never be a good pass protecting guard like it just is what it is he's a fifth round pick who had trouble with the same issues in pass protection at Oregon against that level athlete and they looked even worse when he had to get the NFL level sometimes these guys just it's not just all you know, you practice and you get better and there's not but remember progression is not <laughs> I feel like some people feel like progression is always upward progression isn't always upward with these guys sometimes they develop at a slower rate than others sometimes they go down in their development it's not a guarantee by any mean that Shane Lemieux is gonna evolve into some all pro
2: guard or something like that. If there's any football team that has shown their fan base that this that what you just said is possible, it's the Giants, man. Yeah. With Will Hernandez yeah. and especially with Evan Ingram. Yeah. Evan Ingram yeah. kind of came out of the yeah. gate and we were like, oh, this guy's exciting. Look at him. Yeah, he dropped some passes, but he's exciting. And then look look at what's materialized from that. And Will Hernandez, he had a pretty solid rookie season, and then now it's just been up, down, up, down, and then last year was just like we don't even really 100% know what exactly happened with that situation. Was it COVID? Was it something with the coaching staff? Was it his work ethic? I just don't know because when you watch the film and you see Shane you just get beat instantaneously twice off twice a game off the snap. You're like, why isn't Will Hernandez getting a shot here? Yeah, I
1: mean, ultimately we will never know, but I do think the point to be made there is that it probably wasn't COVID because he was legitimately gone. He went from a rotational player to just benched in week 17, and you would think that as time went by, you'd be better. The symptoms would be lessened. I don't know. Who knows what happened there? He's not revealing any details on his COVID experience. If he did, we might have a better idea. I mean, there were, I'm doing a lot of fantasy baseball stuff now for work. And there were a lot of guys who literally were like, I couldn't breathe after having, Jason Tatum actually is on a huge slump in the NBA. He's like, I can't breathe right now. And like, you can't play basketball if you can't breathe well. So who, and I'm sure the same goes for offensive line and playing in the NFL. Who knows if that's the case? It's hard to say. I do think there is some merit to the fact that Will Hernandez is more of just he looked it was more of just an on paper player than then he's turning out to be I mean like we talked about it's just it's very mechanical with him he's boxy he very short choppy steps and it just he can't get out there on these poles the same way and I don't think I think that's a little exaggerated because like we said he get he gets there it's just not as smooth he's just not as fluid his hips feel feel like his hips never feel open he's just very tight athlete it it is it's a very tight experience it really watching him play phrasing (laughs) 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 That's it's a very weird phrasing a very odd here please don't take this out of context but watching Hernandez. He just never felt like a fluid <laughs> athlete it's almost like he's playing like did anyone ever play that football game uh the worst me and my friend will always tap this is the single worst design game ever created for diehard football fans. is it called men no, that's that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother experience. But this is the single worst game ever created for diehard football fans. It was called Electronic Football, Electric Football, or Electronic Football. Literally couldn't be a worse game. You would set up all the players on a board, and then you would turn on this electric buzzer, and they like mm, they like buzz around. You could basically only run run plays. So you have to try to set up your blockers to like <laughs> to like block the guys, and like they're just going in such a like very regimented like boxy type of movement, and then the, to, to pass the ball you have to like flick this <laughs> Just, anyone who's played this game will know exactly what i'm talking about and they're gonna know and old old timers who listen to the pot are gonna be like that game was awesome because it was the only thing you had and i understand that but <laughs> that's what my dad sometimes says but listen this is the single worst game ever created i stand by that statement and i will die with that take but yeah with hernandez we don't know what it is fully but again like nick said the 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 be all end all here is if you cut zeitler all you have is Will Hernandez and Sheila Mue on your roster at guard. That's not good enough. That's not quite good enough. And the Giants don't really – the problem with this whole idea is like Giants don't really have all these picks. They have one first rounder, one second rounder, one third rounder, and they're missing a couple day two picks or one day two picks. So it's like, day three, yeah. I'm sorry. Day three picks. So it's like where are they getting all these guys from and what, hap- what about edge? <laughs> what about receiver? What about maybe offensive tackle? What about cornerback? What about inside linebacker? These are all positions that basically need to be addressed and so you you fewer it just and it's not like you can just go down the list and just address every need like that you have to pick the best player too if a guy is on the board who you have graded 60 picks or, or two rounds worse than another position you have to take it like they may have to take another center if they feel like a center is their highest graded player they may have to take you know even another like safety probably not they're pretty set there with the logan ryan deal but (laughs) don't <laughs> trust me Dave won't hesitate to take another interior defensive lineman if he wants to if he feels like an interior defensive lineman is two grounds rated higher on his board he'll be taking that interior defensive lineman trust me I know Dave Dave ain't hesitating to take interior defensive lineman so ultimately the decision to cut Zeitler to me is a little worrisome from a depth standpoint and just from the state of the guards
2: I would I would agree with that I really would it's it's a business though and, and tough decisions are going to have to be made especially if they want to try to keep that core interior defensive line together and
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: One of those core interior defensive linemen is their best pass rusher by far. Yeah, without a doubt which sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. It's not a great state of mind right now for the Giants. <laughs> hopefully this roster just
1: magically improves. I'm hoping it does. And again, the biggest thing is if Daniel Jones gets a lot better, they're going to be a lot better football team. It's all Quarterbacks like everything these days in my mind. So all days, but now in today's NFL even more. So hopefully that evolves. Hopefully that gets better. And we want to see this offensive line improve. We can't, we can't get worse there. It's not – the Giants can't afford it. Anyway, let's transition a little bit, and we're going to talk about Nico Collins. Adam Michigan, wide receiver, draft pro- prospect, will do his whole profile. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors.
2: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box. For this episode, to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.
1: All right, it's time to talk about Nico Collins, the wide receiver draft prospect out of Michigan. But before we do that, actually, I need to go over something with the listeners, of the Big Blue Banter podcast. Before this recording happened, me and Nick li- like to banter a little bit back and forth. We were talking music for whatever reason, and Nick dropped what arguably might be the single worst take I've ever heard when it comes to music and. Falato just said that. I think it's well-renowned, he said, or something like that. I think he either said it's well-renowned or I think it's everyone knows that Recovery is Eminem's best album. Recovery. He said Recovery is not Slim Shady LP, not Marshall Mathers LP, not even Infinite. Not even Infinite. He said Recovery was Eminem's best album ever? This is one of the most ridiculous takes I've maybe
2: ever heard. Context is is needed, ladies and gentlemen. I <laughs> never claim to be an Eminem expert. I can name maybe like seven songs that weren't on Recovery. It's just, <laughs> just... when Recovery came out, I was what like nineteen or twenty or something. I, you know, it was around that time where you're like, oh okay, and j- I jived with it. It hit me the right way. You know what I'm saying. I respect it, and not afraid is pretty
1: great. And Cinderella Man's pretty solid.
2: Spacebound and 25 Spacebound. to Life and No Love are amazing. No Love is songs, pretty
1: good. Dude. So he has three good songs on this album. It's actually a pretty solid Eminem album. But like Eminem at his best is Slim Shady LP it's Marshall Mathers LP
2: the thing is I can't name like one like I'm sure I know the nuts. songs
1: I know the songs you don't
2: know but the song. no no I'm sure I know <laughs> the songs but like I can't be like oh this song was on that album I'm just not that big of an Eminem fan
1: I played Brain Damage for Nick before the podcast he had no idea what it was it's like he's never heard that song no, I before ne- no I never have I know, like, the
2: real Slim Shady, please stand up.
1: You know the real Slim yeah. Shady, please stand up. You might know how my name is. I'm yeah, not even yeah. sure you know how yeah, my name is. Yeah, you know probably, that. if you heard the word infinite, did you even know that was one of his albums? No. So
2: I, I'm not a huge Eminem guy. Eminem's a I lyricist. Like
1: Eminem. And, I, by the way, we played Renegade, Jay-Z Eminem, the song that Nas said, Eminem, Merge on Your Own Shit. He didn't know that one
2: either. No, so. no. I mean,
1: Recovery I, is not Eminem's best
2: I album I have a very one. eclectic uh, music I, the music I listen to is very eclectic but like my favorite bands are like range from like Queen to like Red Hot Chili Peppers and then I like random hip hop but like I don't like focus on one and like listen to their entire album that's not really how I go I just like find a song I like and I'm like I like this song and then I go with that you know well, all of
1: that's fair and all of that makes a lot of sense but then to just come out and say Recovery is well known as Eminem's best album no ever. I said
2: I thought no, this I is, this is said, how little I, I know I think you
1: said I thought it was known as <laughs> yeah
2: yeah no I thought it was known because <laughs> I don't know like I, I'm pleading ignorance because i never claim to be some savant on Eminem. all right well you've
1: <laughs> cleared yourself up and i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt on this one nick i'm sure people don't want to hear too much more about this we'll let it go but whoo boy that was a tough take for me to hear before this actually literally legitimately fell out of my seat when i heard that <laughs> recovery was well known as eminem's best album which is an unreal statement to hear anyway Back to the pod. Back to what you guys want to hear about. Let's talk Nico Collins. Nico Collins six four, played at 230 in 2019, opted out of the 2020 season, but showed up at the Senior Bowl 15 pounds lighter. He's trying to reframe his body, reshape his body, gain more speed at 215 pounds. I like this move for him. In general, I'm a huge fan of, of skill position players losing weight rather than gaining weight it's a big thing in the fantasy community before season when a player tacks on weight you always go against that when he loses weight it's always better for him it's never better to play at a bigger weight i know you think oh you're stronger you're no no no. you want to play at a lighter weight always you can make up for that uh length um, sorry lack of bulk with just weight training and different ways to improve your body from that standpoint so let's talk nico collins when we think of nico collins nick what's the first thing that comes to your mind and break down some of his positive traits and then we'll get to the negative stuff after that but first do the positive
2: <laughs> yeah i think the first thing i want to acknowledge is the wolverine's offense is horrendous so it's kind of difficult to uh god i love to hear that as a badger <laughs> i mean but you could still look at his traits and, and what he can do so that's what i did i mean he's the prototype x type of wide receiver the wide receiver that we, as Giants fans, have kind of been clamoring for, Jason Garrett's offense. I mean, like you said, six 6'4", 220, 215, I think is what he came in at the Senior Bowl. Big, strong guy, right? Does well against jams with his hands at the line of scrimmage, but he may not be the most fluid with his footwork quite yet in that area with his releases. It's not a huge hindrance, but it's just something I notice. The appeal to Collins would be his physicality. He's got those strong mittens and his ability to win at the catch point using his physicality and body. Does a very good job coming back, and this is important, ladies and gentlemen, on curls and comebacks and using his body in those situations, as he does with quick slants off the line of scrimmage too, so... If that's not Jason Garrett's offense, I don't really know what is. That's something that I noticed. He's very good in jump ball, one-on-one situations, and he shows impressive body control ability to adjust while tracking the football into his hands and while also extending away from his frame to make those tough types of catches. He's tools. I mean, you could see him from a physical standpoint. He's also... Kind of a build-up speed type of player which isn't ideal he's not one that quickly accelerates but one that can get vertical and open his stride to reach that second gear does a good job winning vertically once that gear is reached but it may take some time he's not really overly explosive off the line of scrimmage i also feel he does a solid job creating separation at his break points with route running he's not overly flexible and his route separation ability through just pure athletics isn't great But he uses subtle and sometimes not so subtle, push-offs to create space against defensive backs, leans into break points, and really uses his frame well. And uh, for me, man, I mean, he's just a solid, big-body type of receiver whose ability to win vertically and in contested catch situations make him an intriguing target, I would say, late on day two. Like you said, you love him in jump ball situations, red zone threat, all that is all well and good, but, man... Just to make you happy again, that Michigan Wolverines offense is woof not great. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's been so fun to track just how poor
1: of a job John, um, sorry, Jim Harbaugh has done. Harbaugh has done over there I, for the for the rest of my life. For some reason, I always pronounce that last name wrong. I don't know what it is. It's just like it's not as bad as my core, my wide receiver core corpse situation that I got going on. But Jim Harbaugh versus Harbach, I always for some reason pronounce that G H like. I don't know. Maybe it's the Jew in me. But listen, as far as as far as far Michigan goes, it's great to see them struggle. They just have not been able to consistently get a pass game going despite getting just great recruiting year after year and having that Michigan name. It's fun to watch them struggle. But as far as Nico Collins goes, I think it's really interesting because I'll, I want to, first of all, lay the foundation by saying this. I know some people in the community have talked is nico collins this year's chase claypool chase claypool remember a guy who had a lot of physical tools but people in the draft community were down on him they nitpicked him he went all the way he lasted all the way into the mid, uh beginning middle part of that second round the Steelers stole him he looks like an absolute steal he's only going to get better he's a great pick is he this year's chase claypool no i do not think so and i know you agree with me you can disagree if you disagree but I, we've talked about this beforehand he's just not quite as athletic and explosive as claypool having said that I think it's really interesting with Collins because I came to Nick early in the week with Collins and I had watched two and a half games at that point. I was like, I really don't love this guy. Like he's not explosive off the line of scrimmage. I feel like that's going to be a big problem when he trans- when he go, uh, tries to translate to the next level. And then I watched another three and a half games and I finished the game I was on and I watched three more. One of them was the dominant Indiana performance, but having said that the two other ones weren't statistically amazing games but as i watched more and more of collins i started to like him more and more and why do i like him because he has traits that i believe in not only as a wide receiver analyst but in my wide receiver evaluations to say but more importantly as they translate to jason garrett's offense like nick said he's good at coming back on those curl routes he's good at coming back and showing that huge pair of hands he's got unbelievable mitts like nick said he's amazing at the catch point he has great body control in the air on those 50 50 balls to adjust his body and make tough catches he's really strong at the catch point no matter if it's a slant a comeback on those curls or i'm sorry the curl the comeback patterns or just those deep balls those 50 50 balls now, these are all traits that I believe will translate to Jason Garrett's offense, but I do wonder, because I was very high on Devin Funches, who's another Michigan receiver who reminds me a lot of Collins coming out. I was very high on him for a lot of the same reasons. And ultimately with Funches. He just really wasn't able to create enough separation at the NFL level. Like Nick said, Funch is another player who I think has a lot of build-up speed. And build-up speed may sound good on the surface. It's not a good thing. When we say that, that's not a good thing. You, you can't—build-up speed is a very risky thing to bank on, translating from college to the NFL when you're playing a whole different set of defensive backs. Quarterbacks don't have as much time. The space isn't always there. So with Collins, I think there is a ceiling. I do like him a lot for this system, and I do like plugging him in as an X for the Giants. But I am with Nick. I personally would like him more as their third-round pick. I wouldn't like him as their second-round pick. And even in the third-round pick, I kind of like him more as a trade-down to the middle of the third-round take-him type thing on day two. So
2: let's go over some of his weaknesses that you saw when watching his tape, Nick. Yeah, I alluded to several shortcomings of Collins when I was going over his strengths. You know, he's not very explosive off the line. He's not very flexible. He doesn't really create a lot of separation ability through his athleticism. And there will be questions, man. Does he have the upside of, say, a Michael Thomas? Remember, he was a day two pick, bigger guy. Not a lot of people were talking about him in the draft community. I mean, I don't think so. Or is he more of that Laquan Treadwell, who was a first-round pick that busted for the Vikings, but another big-body guy who had separation issues? Both of those guys are big body, like I said. Both two totally different career paths with Michael Thomas and Laquan Treadwell. And I think he'll be better than Treadwell, Nico Collins. But Thomas, I mean, that's just, you know, that's a special player. There's the train, everybody. Hope you guys enjoy that. However, the question being posed is valid. How will a bigger body receiver with limited college production, who we haven't seen in a year outside the Senior Bowl because he opted out, translate in the NFL? I mean, I think Collins is going to be a fit for the Giants, and he may be at a discount, but there are some limitations on top of the lack of college production and the year off that you have to acknowledge, right? I mean, the limitations, they're not really egregious, but they're there. And I I look at last year, Michigan receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He had a similar arc to Nico Collins, but it seems like the NFL missed because he's actually having some success. He had a pretty good rookie season. But DPJ, man, he fell to pick 187. If Collins, he's going to go way before that. I would say Collins, like I said, I think he's going to be a day two pick with the size, strong hands, the build-up speed, the physicality. And I think that day two pick is going to be fair. But Michigan's offense doesn't help him out like we've already said. And he's missed in 2020. So is that going to lead to a slide? I think what you alluded to earlier really does help him. He cut 15 pounds. He looked pretty quick at the senior bowl but you could still see that there are some limitations and all those one-on-one drills are all skewed to really assist the wide receivers and it really sucks to be a defensive back in those drills so overall you have to acknowledge those shortcomings and it's something that i think in the Giants system he could maximize a lot of those shortcomings and kind of avoid them as much because he is good on those comebacks and those curls and things like that but i i don't really want to spend the 42nd pick on him i would have to be i think that third round pick that's where my comfort zone is for someone like nico collins with all of the shortcomings that i've already alluded to yeah i mean i think you're spot on here and
1: i i even get to the point where i'm like ultimately he is a very nice fit but i don't even know if there's any kind of great value to get him in the third round because when you're watching a lot of michigan you're watching nico collins it's 2019 so you're seeing a lot of donovan people's jones as well and to me as i'm watching that tape i'm like donovan peoples jones is clearly the better receiver than yeah him. it's not really even close and the browns are able to get donovan peoples jones in the fifth round so ultimately right fifth round wasn't i it? think it was a sixth sixth round wow 187 sixth yeah. round so ultimately if i'm taking nico collins with an early third round pick versus donovan peoples jones is going that late it just doesn't feel like i'm getting any value there and donovan people jones has that athleticism that translate you saw it there's a chance with Nico Collins that he's just going to be too slow in and out of his breaks and off the line of scrimmage. Now, I will say this. One thing I loved about that, and I don't think it got enough credit, at least what I saw on tape, and you could tell me if you saw this, I actually thought he had a really nice inside release on his vertical routes. I thought in general he had a really good inside
2: release. Did you notice that at all watching his tape? Well, usually he did a good job using his hand, so he'd use yeah. that outside hand to because whenever they were impressed, they would get up on the line of scrimmage against him, and he would use that outside hand, quick slap, and then he would dip that inside show. I mean that outside shoulder and then just kind of like club that inside hand of the cornerback and then dip around and he had enough flexibility to do that but you can see in his route tree there's not that same amount of flexibility no, yeah. like someone like donovan people's jones 100 no i'm not saying he's got that but i did like i thought
1: there was a little nuance it's just like with a guy like that if you're banking on just the fact that he's six foot four 215 and looks the part it's like i don't know if you're getting any value there like there is upside of course but and there's always going to be upside for any player who plays in such a horrendous offensive system and a bad passing game because it's just like with donovan people's jones who lasts all the way to the sixth round and looks to me on the early onset that he's going to be a real-time nfl player it's like well you didn't see because the quarterback held him back and that could definitely be the case with a guy like nico collins and just in general a system that doesn't lead to that many big passing plays at all i mean you watch Shea patterson there he's just not he's not good um at football at all <laughs> and there were even times where you're watching nico and you're like he's open get him the ball and he doesn't get him the ball and that's going to happen a lot with bad quarterbacks and bad pass systems so there is upside there i don't want to undersell nico collins at all here but to me i'm almost feeling like I'm getting some Devin Funchess vibes, I'm getting some Gandy Golden vibes, but I even like Gandy Golden a little bit more, and he's he went all the way on day three. It just seems like, to me, this profiles more as a day three prospect. Like I said, I did really like him a lot more as I watched more, and I think if they take him at the end of, or I'm sorry, at the beginning of round three, I'm not going to hate the pick because he fits the system so well, and because there is still untapped potential, like we said, from the fact that he played at Michigan with those quarterbacks and with that offensive system, but... It
2: just doesn't feel like the ultimate value pick to me. Yeah, I watched another big-body receiver who we'll probably do a draft profile okay. on and Terrence Marshall. Yeah. And just, like, seeing the movement skills in general. Like, Terrence Marshall is just... You could see he's a much better athlete yep. than... Nico Collins. Nico Collins, like I said, he's that build up speed type of guy. He's not gonna explode off the line of scrimmage with quick twitch or anything like that. But once he gets those long strides going, he could chew up a lot of grass. And that's why he averaged uh I think uh it was nineteen yards per catch or something. Nineteen point like seven. Yeah, nineteen point seven yards per catch a season. I mean, that's that's a really good average in college, especially with the Michigan quarterback situation. But when you watch Terrence Marshall, man, you just see he's much more fluid after the catch. He bursts in and out of his brakes a little bit better than Nico Collins. I also watch Jamar Chase. And, woo, buddy. And Jamar Chase, he's going to be one of my favorite players easily in this draft it's class. It's too and bad
1: the Giants aren't going to have a chance to draft him. It, it really was, is.
2: It uh, really It was literally like maybe a half a game into his valuation. Like, I love this guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love it this guy. It's too bad, man. Just a few more picks down, I think they would have a shot. I don't think... I think a lot of those early teams are going to go tackle or quarterback. I really do believe that, including the Eagles. So I feel like they just had a few picks earlier, the Giants could get chased. But ultimately, I think he'll go right after, the in between the range of the, where the Eagles pick and where the Giants pick. Mm, yeah, sadly. We'll see, though, but yeah. But anyway, as far as Nico goes and Collins goes, I do think that the fact that he played at the Senior Bowl and looked good at the Senior Bowl will potentially put him in the range, Dave Gettleman and the New York football giants. He talked at the senior bowl. He said, I wanted to leave my mark. The main thing I want to do is show the coaches that I'm a competitor, that I love the game of football. I'm really coachable and I'm dependable. These are all things Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman bank on. And from all everything we read, he did a good job of doing that at the senior bowl. And I don't want to undersell my own evaluation because in general, I love receivers who are really good at the catch point, who have strong hands and who have that body control in the air to adjust to poorly thrown balls or not even poorly thrown balls 50 50 balls and make big time catches and those are all things that nico collins is able to do and he demonstrated that and will continue to be able to do why do i like that especially for the giants because i i'll say this nick and you could tell me if you disagree with this but i can guarantee next season there's going to be 50 50 balls back shoulder fades and those kind of opportunities for the wide receivers I can't guarantee that there's going to be too many space-based opportunities for these receivers. Plays where you know a type of Jalen Waddle or an Elijah Moore or a Rondell Moore can get the ball, and there's so much space created by the route combinations designed by the offensive coordinator and play caller Jason Garrett, and the timing is right between the quarterback and the receiver that a ball that a, that a play will be there where a receiver can catch a ball take that one step or take two steps and explode into space for a 60, 70 yard touchdown after the catch. I just watching enough of this Jason Garrett offense, I don't I can't guarantee that. But also on the flip side watching enough of the offense, I know there's gonna be those fifty fifty balls. There's gonna be those one on one situations because the way defenses are playing Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley back in the mix especially you hope that there's gonna be those situations. So I really am hoping that the Giants come away
2: with bigger body type receivers who are good at the catch point, strong hands and great body control in the air and absolutely, even in Pat Shermer's system, what did Daniel Jones love to do? Oh, I got a receiver in a one-on-one situation. YOLO, I'm going to throw it up to him. And <laughs> Darius Slayton was excellent. And I think Nico Collins would be excellent yeah. in those types of situations. So I see the fit from that standpoint. But you, like I said, man, you have to acknowledge that he's not a perfect prospect, and that's why he's going to be available a little bit later. But something you said before, and I'm going to knock on wood right here, but something you said before, man, that just like put a smile on my face, is Saquon Barkley coming back. Like I can't wait to see number 26 back there. I really can't.
1: Yeah, me too, for sure. I I hope that when 20 has come back, he's himself. He's the same player he was. And I hope that ultimately they find a way to use him more in the passing game, which we've been talking about since he's been drafted. But yeah, it's exciting. The Giants are going to get throw out all the positional value just for the sake of this. Throw out all the positional value, the potential uh, pitfall maybe of signing him to a 17 to $20 million per year contract, Yikes. and just put it all in a vacuum for now let's put all that away and let's just look at a vacuum what Saquon Barkley can do for this offense in 2021 alone just the 2021 season and that's a lot because if they utilize him well in the passing game if he ultimately gels with the offensive line the run blocking and Proves to be a better player in power and gap, which we already saw some signs of at the beginning before the injury. I know the stats look terrible, but that was also because the offensive line looked terrible at the beginning part of the season. Andrew Thomas looked like a seventh round UDFA in the first half, and then he turned into a really good player in the second half. Nick Gates was coming along a little bit in those first few games. Um, Hernandez wasn't playing excellent football in the run game, you know, and you had the whole Fleming disaster at right tackle, Fleming and disaster at right tackle. So ultimately and not to mention they were trying to use Evan Ingram as an inline blocker so when all of that improves in front of Barkley I'm excited to see him in power and gap because I think that's the best system for him ultimately so yeah I'm with you I am excited to see it and he'll be the best playmaker on the
2: offense immediately absolutely and just having him back in general I mean Jason Garrett has always had like that type of running back that he can rely on and to you know we don't really give Jason Garrett a lot of uh credit or space on this podcast but if we're going to I mean look at it he thought he had that he probably went through the whole off season with that in his head and then Saquon Barkley gets hurt in week two and it's like figure it out and they sign like a Devonta Freeman and then they're like okay what about Wayne Gallman and it was just kind of like this hodgepodge of like okay let's bring Alfred Morris up like if you if you had Saquon Barkley things could have been different but it's uh it just makes me look forward to 2021 and be like i hope this guy can come back be himself and reestablish the i don't know help establish the running game here with this offensive line to help kind of take the pressure off of daniel jones without a doubt without a doubt all right that's where we'll
1: end it there on nico collins ultimately a player who we think can fit the system well but we're not so sure that we would target him at 42 for sure and then even really a day three it's potential we like it we're not sold on it and that's more so because we're not just drafting players to fit the system here we're drafting for value we want the best possible players and ultimately while he may fit a jason garrett system jason garrett ultimately may not be here beyond 2021 if this offense continues to be the 31st ranked offense in the NFL even if it rank rises to 20th best they need to move on from him this needs to be top 10 or top 15 next year or changes need to be made and that's ultimately what it is because if you don't have a top 10 offense in the NFL right now you're not winning a Super Bowl you're just not doing it look at the stats it's, it ain't happened. You may get your random outlier year like the Broncos did, but the, the Giants aren't building a Broncos-type defense anytime soon.
2: And the Broncos also had one of the smartest quarterbacks in NFL sure. history too. Right. So like they, People understate that. Yeah, his arm was like a noodle, <laughs> but, but the, dude, the dude knew what he was doing. He, got, he checked defenses. them into the right. Exactly. Yeah. So ultimately we'll see what happens here in the draft, but
1: that's our profile of Nico Collins. We got more content coming for you on Big Blue Banter. One thing I want to promote, and I meant to do at the beginning of the show, but I'm going to do it now, so hopefully you're all still listening. And that is we are doing a partnership with Locker Room, the Locker Room app. Some of you may know this already because we've done two Locker Rooms previously. But we will now be doing a weekly live Q&A on Locker Room. What does that mean? Well, it means this. On Tuesdays at 8 p.m., hopefully after you've all had your dinner, you're all fed, ready to hang out, you jump on with us. All you have to do is this. You download the Locker Room app. You click on the rooms tab, which is the first thing you'll see on the homepage, and you'll see state of the Giants or something with Giants with me or Nick hosting it. Then you click that room and you click the talk button. And literally, what this means is I think Eric Crocker, actually, former NFL defensive back, who we're going to have on the show later in draft season to break down defensive backs, uh, a, a friend of mine who I've connected with on Twitter, he said it best. He said it's basically like you're the radio host and there's listeners calling in. So you click that talk button and you can ask us anything you want. You can banter with us, you can BS with us us you can make fun of the fact that nick's never seen casino you can make fun of the fact that i call wide receiver core corpse because there's something seriously wrong with that and i don't know how to fix that you can make fun of anything you want or you can just talk giants football with us it's pretty cool last time we did it we had like 10 or 12 of you jump on i hope a lot of you will download the app and jump on even if it's not the first one in due time you start to jump on hang out with us talk a little giants football talk about anything you want so it'll be tuesdays at eight. However. The first one we're doing is a special locker room. We're going to do it Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. I will tweet about this bad boy more on Twitter. I'm going to promote it then. I'm going to promote it at the time of, so you can click the link right away. I'm going to send it from the locker room app. I'm going to promote it in the 24 hours before that. So please, please, please do us a favor. Hang out with us on locker room app. Jump on the app. It's a quick download. It shouldn't take too much of your time, and it's a really cool process where you basically get to hang out with us and talk Giants football with us instead of a ... I like it because it's like this. On the podcast, even when we do the mailbags, we get to answer your questions, but it doesn't feel It's not personal it doesn't feel personal that's the best way to describe it what nick just said it doesn't feel personal but that app makes it feel personal makes it feel like we're actually hanging out talking giants football with you not telling you what is this because we don't want to be those guys that tell you what is and what isn't that's not our shtick that never will be our shtick so thank you again to anyone who does that and also as usual gonna ask it every pod. i'll ask it again head over to itunes make sure you download rate review subscribe we got a few more reviews in with questions we're going to hold those questions and answer them on the locker room show tomorrow now if we have so many people jump on locker room which would be amazing that we don't have time to get to your questions i promise you i will get to your questions we're going to do some big time draft profiles coming up those lsu kids that we just watched they're coming soon baby so on the next draft pro- profile podcast We'll do those questions, or we'll just do a mailbag podcast in addition to the locker room because there's a lot of questions that are starting to pile up. I know a lot of you have left them in the iTunes reviews, and I promise that if you leave a question in the review, it will get answered. And it will. It just won't get answered on this pod because we're going a little overboard on time. But again... Check that out. And please, please follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. We're starting to get even more active on the Instagram. We're doing graphics. We're doing cool stuff over there. Check that out. It's NYBigBluebanter. So it's our name, BigBlueBanter, with an NY in front of it. All you gotta do is hit that follow button. And you'll start to see our stuff. You'll never miss a podcast. You'll never miss any Giants news. We're hitting that news there. Boom, like it's a immediate, kind of like that type of style. So, and again, please follow us on Instagram. Please download, rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. And join us on Lock Room, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, the first one, and then Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, moving forward. Thanks again, and have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: mypatriotsupply.com